Okay, here comes the Dharma. <laughs> so, um, moving me to there, just so that kind of we have a game of everyone needing to turn around. Yeah, I'm happy to. You think it makes more sense? Okay. So, I'm going to move to there. Okay. Here, here particularly. Okay, exactly. Aha, uh -huh, I see. Now I can see all of you. Well done. Myself up again. <clears throat> so I'm going to attempt to continue or to flow on from Nathan's talk yesterday. Um, even though, it, you know, it's not going to mean that you, you know, if you weren't there yesterday, you won't be able to follow today. Um, but I'm not going to try and achieve or even kind of intend to cover the amount of material that he covered yesterday, just so that you know that's not my intention. <laughs> because I don't, I simply don't think I could do it, even if I tried. So, um... What I wanted to kind of go into more um, and, and kind of explore more with you is that aspect of um, how to really bring the path into our lives. And sometimes it can be helpful to switch that around and to actually ask, how do we bring our lives into the path? Yeah. So... How do you bring the path into, the, into our lives? How to bring our lives into the path? Which is, you know, po possibly the question <laughs> that we ask in practice. Yeah. All of us. And, and something that on an event like this, we really have the, the richness of that possibility to explore. Because we have very supportive conditions for practice, um, but they're not as extremely different to our lives as a silent retreat may be. So that's the, that's the theme, that's the kind of um, intention of, of the exploration um, today. And really coming from the sense, the feeling um, that the, the, the limbs of the path that Nathan was describing yesterday um, are areas to bring attention to, yeah? They're areas, they're things we're exploring in our lives, yeah? So they're not kind of, you do this or you do that, right and wrong, black and white, but rather exploration, things we bring attention to, or that really beautiful... Um, feeling of finding the middle way within our lives, yeah? Finding that place of balance and inclusivity in our lives. 
in a way that really supports our well-being, supports our practice, and supports the relief of suffering. Yeah, for ourselves and for others and for the world. Yeah. Really the heart, the heart of the path, the heart of what we're doing. And sometimes some of, the, some of the stories about the Buddha's journey are really, really helpful for that. And we can really see them as um, kind of mythological stories because myths really, they, they represent something that is true for all of us. And this exploration of the middle ways is one of those very beautiful stories um, from, the, from the Buddha's journey. So he went according to the myth, according to the story, from a life of kind of extreme sensual pleasure. Yeah, so all, everything done to create a life that was kind of perfect as far as experiencing only the pleasant and not the unpleasant. So that was one extreme. And then when he started his spiritual search, he went to the other extreme of extreme um, asceticism. Yeah, of kind of, I think, like eating, I can't even remember what it was, like three grains of rice or something a day. And very, very kind of um, extreme and difficult practices and ways of being and kind of going to the extreme of, of treating the body almost as a problem. Yeah. Because the body has this capacity for pleasure. And the, the myth goes that whilst, you know, after doing these kind of very extreme practices for quite a long time, and if you've ever seen the images of the Buddha at that time, he's like really like a skeleton. Yeah, really like a skeleton. Um, one day, he started questioning or maybe, you know, the questioning was actually already a big part of his path the whole time. And as he was questioning, this memory came to him, um, and a memory from his childhood. Yeah, it was a memory from his childhood. And the memory was of sitting one day under a tree and watching, I think he was watching his father plowing um, a field. And as he was sitting there under the tree, he was very, very much at ease. Yeah, very relaxed, very at ease, but also very much interested in life. Yeah, watching his, watching his father. And you can see here, we have these examples of the children sometimes watching us with that interest or watching each other with that interest. Yeah. And that kind of marrying together of the two, a real sense of ease and calm. It was a, it was a warm day like today, and he was sitting in the shade um, under this blossoming tree. Yeah, so a lot of ease and a lot of interest. And that place of balance um, was the condition for a state of um, actually deep ease with life, deep calm. Um, and quite a lot of concentration, or samadhi, it's a better word than concentration. And as that memory arose, he remembered that experience, not just as a story, but he actually remembered the feeling. And that really um, brought home this question of, like, it's not necessary to practice in a way 
that makes an enemy of the body. Yeah, And it's not necessary to practice in such an extreme way, but rather it's possible to come to this place of balance, this middle way, where there is interest and dedication, but there's also enough well-being in mind and body. And kind of this is our journey also. <laughs> yeah, This is our journey also, to find this place of middle wayness in the different areas of our lives. And this isn't as, you know, we've been discovering here probably over the days and as we know from our lives, it's not a permanent place that once we find it, that's it, you know. We just kind of keep pressing the button and we're there again, yeah. But it's this, as we find this, it increases both our confidence and our trust and our capacity to, to find the place again. But it also increases our um, trust in the journey. And so we keep balancing. We keep looking for this place of balance, which changes according to conditions, yeah, as conditions change. And one, um, one teacher that I really like... Um, her name is Elizabeth Matisse Namgyal. She teaches in the Tibetan tradition. Um, she says the middle way, her words for the middle way is, um, are the power of an open question. Yeah. So we keep asking the questions, but in a very open way. Yeah. We're not kind of getting too fixated or too narrow around what the answer needs to be or when it needs to come. Yeah, but we keep asking the questions. And it's so important for us, for us as human beings to keep asking the questions. Yeah? Not be afraid of asking the questions. And keep experimenting and exploring these places of balance. And of finding um, that middle way, that middle ground. And one of the words for um, equanimity, this place of balance, this place of non-preference, one of the words in Pali for this actually means there in the middleness. I love that. So kind of in the middle of life, in the middle of chaos, in the middle of um, changing conditions and the uncertainty and inconstancy of life, in the middle of that we can find the centeredness, we can find the alignment, we can find the trust, we can find ease, not away from it, yeah, but in the middle, yeah, in the middle, in the midst of life, and often kind of one of the images I love for equanimity is, which is not what I was planning to speak about, um, is, um, you know, how when there's a hurricane or a big storm in the center, the eye of the storm is calm. Yeah, so we can have, you know, there can be these really massive storms around, but right in the middle. Not just hurricanes, also more normal storms. If you've ever been camping and lying in your tent listening to the thunder and lightning, you can hear that, yeah? It comes, it comes, it comes, and then there's a quiet in the middle. And then the storm keeps going, and you hear it again, yeah? So for a moment, we're in that middleness. 
of the calm, of the quiet. And that's something we can cultivate and find. So that there in the middleness, yeah. Dharma teachings are very inclusive. Yeah. It's not about practice that only happens in the monastery. Yeah. It only happens um, when all the conditions are right. Yeah. It's about practicing within our lives. Yeah. All areas of our lives, whatever is going on. And these teachings are also very pragmatic. They're very, um, they're things that we can apply in our life. And hopefully you're getting a taste of that over the days here. So this path that we, we've been exploring, there's certain attitudes and qualities that we can develop, that we can prioritize in our lives, that... Um, really support it yeah really support it and these are qualities or attitudes like equanimity which i just mentioned generosity metta patience yeah truthfulness honesty wisdom renunciation resolve there's a lot of these yeah so a lot of qualities and attitudes that we can cultivate as um, a support and they're referred to as, um, in, in Pali, in the language that the teachings are in, they're referred to as paramis, P-A-R-A-M-I-S. One of the um, translations of this word paramis is, is something that kind of is like a raft, like a boat, carries us across to the other side, meaning they carry us through the storms of our lives as we cultivate them. They're there as support and they carry us through the storms of our lives to a place of safety, yeah. to a place of calm, to a place of, of equanimity. So they both support us on the path and they are the path itself yeah. as we cultivate them, as we prioritize them. And they, over time, very much increase well-being and joy in our lives. So I'd like to, to just look at one of these um, attitudes or qualities today and then see how that relates to, to the, the Eightfold Path, the path to the relief of suffering, to the ending of suffering. I'd like to particularly look at generosity today, but we can you know, I'm just using generosity as an example because as Nathan was saying yesterday, it's generosity is something so clear in our lives. You know, we all know this quality in us. And so in order to really root in our own experience, I want to actually um, at this point invite you to take a moment and reflect on any experience of receiving generosity, being the recipient of generosity that you've had over the days here. And if nothing comes to mind over the days here, then in your life is also fine. And it doesn't need to be something big, yeah? It can be somebody handing you something, <laughs> smiling, yeah, holding a door open, 
something very, very, very um, every day. So just feeling in yourself any moment of receiving generosity over the days here or in your life. How did that feel? And what was the impact, if there was an impact, what was the impact on, on you, on your experience, and maybe the next moments after that? Just opening to feel. And then bringing to mind a moment when you were generous. Again, just over the days here. And again, it doesn't need to be something um, big. Can just be doing your, you know, your task, the chopping of vegetables or cleaning. You can be just doing something small for somebody. So just allowing something to surface into your awareness. And just feeling what that felt like. And if that had any impact. So, feeling what came up, just want to open. If anyone would like to say a word or up to five words about how that felt. Yeah, it can either be a moment when you receive generosity, it can be a moment when you were offering to somebody else. And sometimes it's extremely unclear who was generous to whom, and that's also fine. So any word or words that come up when that memory, where that sense has come up, when that experience has happened, how did that feel? What was the impact? Joy. Connection. Connection. Gratitude. Gratitude. Happiness. Happiness. Guilt. Guilt. Mm. Good. At ease, a sense of ease. Yeah. Softness. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, passing on what we've received. Mm, beautiful, yeah. 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 So I'm sure whatever was said here kind of resonated with all of us, like any, every single word, yeah, we have also experienced, yeah? The sense of guilt, the sense of something passing through that I've received and moved on, the connection, the joy, the softness, yeah? Gratitude, all of that is, is something that we know. And this is part of why um, both the, the practice or the kind of 
opening to generosity, both as receiving it and as giving it, yeah, or as being part of the flow. Yeah. This is part of why it's so powerful. Yeah. We both, when we, when we open to it and we notice the impact, we notice the effect, yeah, we both kind of feel how sometimes it dissolves the sense of separation and, and really connects us to the connection. And sometimes we see the places where there is a sense of limit. Yeah. And so all of this is worth seeing. Yeah. All of this is worth seeing. So I want to give an example um, from, from my experience and then work through that example a little bit with the different limbs of the path. And hopefully that will be useful to people. Um, and this is something that um, happened last summer. Uh, we were in Paris. We'd been teaching a couple of retreats in France and we had a few days in Paris and uh, we kind of went, you know, we're doing the touristy thing. And I think we were in a park with a view of the Eiffel Tower. It's a really, really touristy thing. And we had um, stopped in a supermarket and bought some things to have a picnic. And it's a beautiful day and the park was full of other people having picnics. Um, but as we sat down, I think maybe even before we sat down, I noticed that there was a group of uh, four men that were sleeping, um, sleeping on the grass. And it was very clear that they were not having a picnic. Yeah, they looked, they looked exhausted. Yeah, and it was kind of very clear that whatever their story was, their um, situation was not easy. And so we were sitting and Nathan had his back to them and I was facing, I could see them. And, you know, there we were with this, you know, lovely spread of fruit and vegetables and, you know, nice things. And I could see them and I could see them sleeping. And the movement was very clear in wanting to share. Yeah, very, very clear movement in wanting to share. And I think I even, without saying anything to Nathan, I started to, to move things <laughs> to one side. Yeah. You know, oh, we're not really needing this bag of apricots. So I'll put it here. Oh, we don't really need these. I even remember what was there, these cho chocolate-covered rice crackers. I'll put them here. You know, like, just was moving that. And at the same time, I was noticing, just paying attention to my experience, all this stuff of, oh, they're really fast asleep. How are we going to do this? If we walk over, it might really scare them. You know, they might kind of be really shocked. Um, they might feel very unsafe. You know, it might end up really bad. All this stuff coming up. And I was watching all of that happening. And eventually, I, I said to Nathan, I said, look, you know, there's these guys behind you. And I'd really want to share some of our food with them. 
but I, you know, I don't know how to do it. And I was starting to kind of go into the stories in my mind. And Nathan kind of turned around. He looked back and he saw them and he said to me, ah, it's actually really simple. We just pick up the food, we walk over and we give it to them. <laughs> it's actually really simple. It was one of those kind of like moments, you know, when like all this stuff is going on and actually it's really simple. And so when we finished our part of the lunch, Nathan, and they were still sleeping, Nathan just, you know, we gathered all the things and put them in a bag and he just walked over. And as he walked over, one of the guys woke up yeah and kind of lifted his head as Nathan Nathan gave him the bag and he was very grateful and as we were walking away we kind of snuck a look back and we could see him waking up the other his friends or my family members I don't know and they were sharing out the food and you know it's a really simple story yeah it's a really simple story but it had, for me, so many teachings in it, yeah, so many teachings in it of this movement of generosity, of what blocks it a lot of the time, and of what happens when um, we prioritize it or we let it flow through. So I want to I use this example a little bit and relate it to the different limbs of the path that we were touching on yesterday. So the first one of the, of the understanding or the view, yeah. So in this case, really that priority of fabricating less suffering, creating less suffering than there already is for the self and for the other. And if we look at this example, we can see the suffering, yeah. The suffering that comes from the sense of guilt, I have, yeah, and they don't, yeah. And that is suffering. Yeah, the suffering of the I don't know what to do with this. Yeah, that suffering. I don't know what to do with that privilege that I didn't do anything to deserve. Yeah, yeah, that, that suffering. And so having that as a priority and also recognizing the release of the suffering in the action, yeah, both in that moment of someone saying, actually, it's really simple, and then in the doing, yeah, the, the release of that, yeah, the release of that in the giving. And this is a real counter movement to the, the kind of that demanding voice that we usually have with life of things should be this way, yeah? Things should be fair. Things should be just. Someone else should be taking care of this situation, yeah? Whatever it is, yeah? And this is a different, this is what can I do? Yeah? Right here, right now, in this situation that's open to me here, that's present, what can I do? Seeing that this is not mine, yeah? The food is not mine. The contraction is not mine. The privilege is not mine. Yeah. The guilt is not mine. Yeah. 
seeing that it's not mine. In seeing and experiencing the happiness in the sharing. Yeah? And how connected and in tune with life we feel. And how those movements of gratitude kind of flow back and forth. Yeah? Like I was feeling incredibly grateful. Yeah? Who's giving to whom? Yeah, it's often a, a question that we can ask. Yeah. And that movement between us when we actually share what we have. So seeing also the intention, yeah, that intention um, to let go of the causes of suffering, yeah, to let go of the causes of suffering, both in the immediate picture and in the big picture, yeah, this is, uh, you know, probably refugees that we're talking about in this situation, Paris is full of them, and Helsinki seems to have quite a few now, big shift from two years ago when we were here. So seeing, you know, what these causes of the situation, which are the same, as Nathan was saying yesterday, in our own heart, what is in our own heart, the greed, the aversion, the ignorance and the confusion in ourselves is the same as that which is causing this injustice in the world around us. So seeing that, and as we see that, and as we tune in, align with that sense of um, that intention to let go of these causes that frees us up to act frees us up to act and then staying steady with that if we reflect on times when we are in these confusing situations a lot of the time we freeze yeah, and we don't act because we don't know what to do. So coming to that intention frees us up. Freeze and freeze. <laughs> is, that, is the distinction between that, the words clear? Because I'm saying it sounds, yeah, good. And the doubt that I was um, experiencing, yeah, what do I do? That's a really important piece here. Yeah, that sense of doubt. What's the right thing? How do I do it? Is it going to lead to good or bad? You know, that doubt um, and the fear, that's really the, the delusion, confusion and ignorance. Yeah, one of the primary causes of suffering in the world. And we can feel the suffering for ourselves in that situation. We can feel what it does. The majority of human beings have an impulse to act to help others. Yeah, that's why we're told on an airplane to put our own gas mask, the oxygen mask on first before we help somebody else. Yeah, We have that impulse. And yet, so much gets in the way. Yeah, And this is this ignorance, delusion, confusion. We can get start to recognize it and know it for what it is, name it. That can help us um, to then connect to, to, to generosity. And having space and having kindness is what is needed with that. Yeah. Not forcing, not pushing, but saying, okay, who are you? Yeah, what are you? Confusion. What are you? Doubt. And as we kind of really root into this intention, that allows us to speak and act in ways that are helpful. So again, if we use this example, just saying out loud, 
Yeah, this was useful speech. Just saying out loud to Nathan what I was experiencing. Yeah. Already, that changes the situation. I mean, A, it allows, sure, it allows wisdom to come from outside. But sometimes we also know just articulating something for ourselves, just saying it out loud to somebody, changes how caught we are in it. Yeah, gives space. Especially if the other person is listening with kindness to us. And this supports a quieter mind. Yeah. When we speak, when we're listened to, when we act in ways that are in tune with this intention for non-harming and letting go of causes of suffering, that supports a quieter mind. And it nourishes the existing wholesomeness and goodness. Yeah, In this example, the generosity in the moment gets supported. Yeah, gets supported by that. And when the generosity is supported and we act and then we feel the fruit of the action, it nourishes future acts of generosity, future wholesomeness. Yeah, it nourishes the whole momentum. And the more momentum there is of wholesome, of things that are good for us and good for the world, the less time and energy and space there is for that which is unwholesome. Yeah. So the conditions, nourishes the conditions for that which is supportive and fruitful and good for the world and kind of takes the energy away from the conditions that support what is not wholesome and not good for the world, not skillful. And through all of this, mindfulness yeah, is such a key. If there's no mindfulness, you know, that whole process I was describing, which was at least 50% of the thing, just noticing what was going on in me. Noticing that I'm putting food aside. Yeah? Noticing that inner dialogue. Yeah? Noticing what's happening in the body. That's all a practice of mindfulness, just there, and a support of mindfulness. And all of that supporting samadhi. Yeah, this word that is translated as concentration, don't like that translation at all, so I'm not going to use it. Yeah, samadhi, that coming together on a particular, that gathering of attention, that gathering of the being, that unification of the heart and mind and body on what matters to us and what's important to us. Yeah. So all of that nourishes it. Generosity, when it's there, as we just heard from people, it brings joy, it brings ease, it brings gratitude, it brings contentment, it brings um, connection. Yeah. When that is present in the mind, the mind finds it much easier to be calm <laughs> and collected. Yeah, it supports, naturally supports that. Yeah. So a mind without regret is a mind that much, it, is, it inclines towards quietness. Yeah. So it all supports that. And it's also an expression of samadhi, yeah, that being able to come together on the particular of what we're prioritizing. Whether it's generosity or metta or equanimity or patience, yeah? Whatever it is that we're prioritizing, 
that movement of gathering ourselves on that, around that. And the more we kind of reflect, yeah, and it can be really helpful to do what I've just done now, take simple examples from our lives and reflect what was going on there, yeah? How were the different aspects of the path at play? Yeah, to see that, because the more we experience that for ourselves, and we see that in our own experience, this leads to more wisdom, yeah, deeper understanding, yeah, stronger alignment with our intentions. So it really supports that process. And we can bring this intentionally to things that we already do. Yeah. So, you know, something like retreat is founded on generosity. Yeah. Founded on generosity. The being together here. Yeah. Helping with the children. Chopping vegetables. Cleaning. Washing up. Yeah. Turning up to the activities. You know, all of that are acts of generosity. We can frame it in that way towards oneself towards others, towards our family, towards our friends, towards people we don't know. <laughs> it's all generosity. So we can bring that in. And we can bring that in into really simple things. You know? What would it be like to eat a meal as an act of generosity? Yeah. To really feel that generosity in feeding ourselves. Yeah. To reflect on the generosity of others that has made it possible. Yeah. What would it mean to do something for somebody else? Like let them pass in front of us in the corridor. You know, something really simple. But to frame it as an act of generosity. How does that affect our experience? How does that change? It really brings a sense of intimacy to very, very simple things. Yeah, really daily things. And as I said near the beginning, doing this also shows us the places where we feel we're at an edge. Yeah? Maybe we feel um, this is a limit of my generosity or this is a limit of, how I can, of receiving generosity for a lot of us. Yeah? I'm sure that's where the guilt came. <laughs> yeah? When someone does something for me and I feel, ah, you know, I don't need this, maybe someone else does. Or whatever arises, or they're missing out so that I can have something. Yeah. So meeting those places with kindness. Yeah, and seeing, are they solid? Are they real? Or is this also a place that can change and dissolve and grow with the practice? Feeling the contraction. Yeah, feeling the contraction when that arises. And seeing how we can support, how we can bring kindness and compassion so that can slowly relax and open. And seeing if we can experience, as kind of as touched on, experience acts of generosity towards ourselves and those that are coming from us. Experience that as an expression of the good in all of us. Yeah? It's not mine. It's not me. It's not you giving or receiving. It's a beautiful, beautiful human expression. And it's an expression of the good of all of us. And one of the most beautiful things about it is that it's infectious. 
Yeah? It breeds more generosity. And I think we've all maybe heard these stories. They were kind of going around in social media a couple of years ago of these chains of paying it forward on toll bridges and, you know, I think in the U.S. in these drive through fast food places where you get to the, you order at one place and then you get to where you pay at another place. And so I think one of them was like a hundred and something people, a hundred and something cars where each person paid for the person behind them, I think. Yeah, in the queue. So when you got to the place where you were supposed to pay, whether it's a toll on a bridge um, or a motorway, or you're paying for your very unhealthy meal, um, <laughs> someone else has done it for you. And how that inspired people to then pay for the person behind them. Yeah. And particularly with the meals, you don't know if it's more or less. <laughs> on a bridge, maybe it's all the same. And it's infectious, yeah? It create, these are ordinary people, yeah? And they didn't get up that morning necessarily and make an, an intention to be generous. But they got inspired. So generosity inspires us. And it makes a difference in the world, yeah? It makes a difference in the world. If we want to make a difference, this is one of the simple things we can do. In the giving and receiving, yeah? Very much a practice of receiving, not just of the giving. So it's an acknowledgement of our participation in life, you know. We didn't choose to be born, yeah. We didn't choose to be here. We didn't choose the circumstances of our lives, the good and the bad. But here we are, you know. Here we are. And we've received and we're receiving all the time. And we're impacting others. We're impacting the world all the time. So we can just acknowledge that and connect to that and get a sense of kind of what do we want to support? Yeah, What do we want to support and how? And so to close, I'd just like to offer um, a practice question which I've felt, I've found really, really useful. It um, comes from Sharon Salzberg, the teacher I mentioned in the previous talk. And this is particularly for, for times when we feel um, confused, uncertain, or maybe we feel we haven't got enough. And the question is really simple. We just drop in the question, what do I really need right now to be happy? What do I really need right now to be happy? And let yourself be surprised by what comes up in response. So, thank you for your listening. You're very generous with your attention. <laughs> Especially those who ended up in the sun. <laughs> yeah. And enjoy your dinner, your light meal. Thank you. <coughs> May we remember... Yeah, may we remember that flow, that flow of participation that we're part of.
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.